Well, it's the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. We've been talking about it throughout the afternoon. Rangers make a change today. They fire their manager. Chris Woodward is out. And uh, Joe Hoyt for the Dallas Morning News joining us. Joe, I always love uh, reading your work on Twitter and in the morning news. I still take the newspaper. It's still thrown in my yard, so it's fun to to get to visit with you. But now, Joe, you probably, you know, you're moving into your, your SMU duties, still, you know, managing Rangers. But, boy, your day changed in a hurry, didn't it? I, I would imagine if you were headed over the hilltop, you had to point them out to uh, Arlington in, in, in a hurry, right? Hilltop today that would have been a quick change. Um, luckily, we <laughs> we had a we had a little bit of a, um, you know inkling that this was a possibility. Maybe not today, but but that's how it happened, and you know that's just news, right? <laughs> yeah, it does uh, tend to happen that way. Now, did you when you said you had an inkling, did you feel like that sort of uh, non ringing endorsement after the deadline? from john daniels it just did not seem like oh yeah we we're committed we love woodward that was really um there, there wasn't a lot in that uh as far as support for what woodward was doing it, or did you even sense it was going the wrong direction for woodward even before that no i think that's a great um you know time to kind of point to and say oh you know that's when your ears perk up a little bit because like you said it was very non-committal um, and that almost was kind of the first time that we had really kind of gotten that sense. And then if you just look what happened after that, I mean, the record kind of dictates, um, you know, the performance was what it was and it, it wasn't great down the stretch. Obviously they've fallen to, to records below 500 that they did not aspire to be at in this moment. Um, you know, kind of the energy level of the, the team was a little bit lower and uh, ultimately it kind of just all funneled into what happened today. He's an, Chris Woodward is an extremely positive person, and I'm sure he was a good guy to deal with, the media, and you always hate it when something like this happens. But the way this team was playing, some of the mistakes that they were making, uh, were there times that they almost needed someone to, to get into them a little bit more than maybe Woodward was uh, – uh, willing to do it's always easy to say these things by the way joe i found with these coaches after they're fired then you can start saying yeah he wasn't he wasn't hard enough on them and it's easy to break them down but i'm just kind of curious now that it's happened and you're kind of looking back on things does this do you think this team could use a a, a, a maybe a i don't know if it's a stronger voice but someone willing to to get after guys I think that's, I mean, to your point, it's, it is easy to say those things. And I think that's potentially something that they would target moving forward. Um, but, you know, I think if you just kind of just look at the product of late, obviously the performance in the field wasn't great. They're, the, like I said, the energy level even, you know, from just a third-party perspective seemed to be a little bit lower. And obviously losing doesn't help with that. Um, but then you also kind of listen to some of the things that John Daniels and Chris Young said today. And they, they really, really highlighted preparation. Um, before games is something that they wanted to see changed. And obviously that's something that we're not really in tune with, but if you kind of talk with Chris Woodward and people around the team, preparation was something that they've tried to prioritize a lot. Um, So maybe it was over preparation. Who knows? Um, Obviously we're on the outside of that, but ultimately they saw enough from a performance standpoint, from an energy level, from just a direction of the franchise place. It almost seems almost regardless of record to make the change now while they're still in the kind of beginning stages of a rebuild, you know, even though they didn't obviously invest a lot of money and they hope to be in the playoffs next year, but if there was a time to make a move this season, you know, they figured it was now. 
Seeger has uh, a, a long relationship with Woodward dating back to their Dodgers days, and I would think he would have been excited, um, and, and who knows, I mean, in addition to the incredible money that he was offered, uh, you know, maybe that played a role in his excitement about coming to the Rangers. With a guy like that, who's, who needs to be one of your team leaders, what do you, what do you sense? I know y'all have just had access uh, in the clubhouse. What what do you sense is is his reaction to this? Yeah, you know the one one thing talking with with Corey Seager is that he's always very businesslike and kind of straight to the point with uh, with answers and press conference questions. Um, you know he'll he'll always talk with you, but it's very very direct and very simplistic almost to a certain extent. For example, today he was kind of asked like you know do you have an emotional response and he just shook his head and didn't say anything. Um, but you know the one thing he did say was kind of just how much you know in debt he is to, to Chris Woodward's development of him. You know, obviously they go back to LA where he was rookie of the year and Woodward being a former middle infielder was able to work with him directly. And there was a big reason why, in addition to all the money he got that, you know, he ended up in Texas. Um, so he, he's, you know, he owes a lot to him, but he also understands that this is a business. And he said, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to, you have to be, you know, the best player you can be regardless of manager. And obviously that changed today. And, and that was kind of one of his sentiments that, hey, it is a business after all. Yeah, and uh, talking to Joe Hoyt for the Dallas Morning News about this firing today, Chris Woodward, Tony Beasley taking over on interim. By the way, talk about direct and could also be a little prickly, the guy who just went in the Rangers Hall of Fame, Ian Kinsler. When I was out there a lot more than I am now, uh, it, it, that was him, you know, and he was direct. <laughs> I kind of liked it. But, boy, you know, you, you couldn't float one of those, hey, you mind talking about this or that? I mean, he was on it, and Michael was more gracious. Michael could be seething and want to bite at you, Michael Young, but Kinsler would. Kinsler would bite back a little bit. So, anyway, you were explain, <laughs> You were talking about Seeger. It made me start thinking about Kinsler. And uh, well, Kinsler and John Blake both going into – the Hall of Fame. It's very exciting. I love Blake's family too, with Harriet, Chris, the whole gang. So I was excited for them. Um, yeah, Joe, this is uh, this is going to be interesting with Beasley going in there. Whether this is a true audition, um, uh, Chris Young did say that he is a candidate. He, you know, when y'all were asking uh, he and John Daniels about that, said Tony Beasley's a candidate. I do remember one particular uh, Bogar. A few years ago, actually having a nice little run after after Wash um, uh, stepped stepped down, and we all thought, well, maybe Bogar will get the job, but he didn't get the job. Jeff Bannister got the job, so no matter how you finish, I don't think necessarily means you're for sure going to get the job. Where is this team on Beasley, though? I, to me, they probably have tremendous respect and love the guy, but do you sense this is a true candidate? Yeah, no, I, to your point, I think, you know, this is a guy that has, is universally respected across the organization. And it's someone that, you know, is known for his ability to kind of be there for players, but also be direct. I mean, he has that capability. It's, he's kind of, he's also kind of optimistic, you know, akin to Chris Woodward, but, you know, he's also shown that he can be direct with players and say, hey, you got to get this done. That's kind of part of the job. Um, as for, you know, his, you know, audition, essentially, um, you know, like you said, Chris Young did say he would be a candidate. And Beasley said he's excited for this opportunity. Um, and, you know, and it, it, to, I think you got to think about why make this move now. You know, obviously there's, you know, still, you know, under 50 games left. There's still, 
a chance to see something out of this team. So maybe you kind of go into it saying, hey, we have a chance to see what Tony Beasley can bring as a manager instead of just being a third base coach. So, you know, I think that there's elements to suggest that this would be a true audition, but obviously this is a team that's going to do their due diligence outside as well, because this, at this stage of the rebuild, you know, after investing so much money they did last season, this is a pivotal hire and they kind of have to nail it. So they'll get a look at Tony Beasley, whether or not they, they actually seriously think he is a full-time candidate kind of remains to be seen. All right, and uh, on your put on your other hat, your SMU hat, um, Tanner Mordecai wins the uh, job over Preston Stone. That's a tricky one because Preston Stone was a ballyhooed recruit, one of the great recruits really in a long time at SMU. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a – was he five-star? I mean, this guy was uh, – I know he's Elite 11 and all the – had all the accolades, but Preston Stone was a big-time get. And, and for Tanner Mordecai – I, I reading some of your stuff, it, it does seem like Tanner handled this well. There could have been a thought, well, this guy's the he's the incumbent. I mean, he shouldn't have to go through all this, and yet he did. Do you think that could even earn him more respect in the locker room? And then how does SMU kind of keep Stone engaged? Because in this day and age, <laughs> you can get a guy transferring out in a hurry. Yeah, no, we saw it today with uh, Timmy McLean, um, you know, going in the transfer portal immediately after Jerry Bohannon or Gary Bohannon, excuse me, was named the starter at South Florida. Um, but, you know, to your point about Tanner Mordecai, I think he definitely earned a lot more respect because he could have just said, hey, I'm the incumbent. This is my job. I deserve it. No, he went out and earned it. You know, I think I got a lot of comments, you know, when the story you know, published that he was the starter. Like, yeah, of course he was. And it's like, well, this wasn't his job just handed to him because, you know, you have a new head coach who obviously has experience with Preston Stone. He recruited him to SMU and there was a legitimate quarterback competition. And I can tell you by the time that fall camp started, it definitely seemed like that competition had already been won. Um, Tanner came out in the summer. He was kind of, you know, he was a leader throughout the summer. He was the representative with Rasheed Rice at media day and, and it, it's kind of seemed like Taron Mordecai's team by the start of fall camp. So to your point, I think he earned a lot of respect because he could have just, you know, said, Hey, this is my job. I deserve it. But no, he went out and earned it. And I, I think that, you know, they have high hopes for what he can be this year, especially after the season he turned in last year. All right. And uh, Joe Hoyt, Dallas morning news, Rhett Lashley coming in there as the head coach following Dykes. How much of it is continuing uh, what was going on there, and, and how much, what's the distinction? If you had to say, so far, this is the biggest difference in how Lashley runs things as opposed to Dykes, what jumps out at you, or is there is there really any discernible thing you could point to? It's kind of funny because I don't, I don't actually see a ton of differences yet, uh, at least, I mean, in regards to practice structure. I think the biggest difference we're going to see is just a little bit more accelerated of temponess um, on offense. I and mean, obviously Sonny's offense is, you know, a spread offense that goes fast too. But I think they're really going to want to push, you know, the accelerator down and try to get as many plays as possible and keep defenses off guard. I mean, I think they have about 10 wide receivers that could legitimately play. Um, they've probably got five running backs that could play. Uh, they feel really good about their depth um, and they're going to definitely try to make the most of it. So, you know, there hasn't, and obviously practice is practice. You know, it's kind of hard to get a, get a total look at, at maybe differences in structure and, and practice operations, um, you know, day in and day out. But there hasn't been a lot of differences. 
And maybe that's also because Rhett Lashley was here at SMU a couple years ago. Um, so now it's his program, and this is, you know, his first time doing it too. So maybe there's going to be changes in the way he operates. You know, obviously he's a first-time head coach. Um, but I think we're going to see the real differences come fall when the games are actually playing. I think you'll see a reminder of what it was like when he was the offensive coordinator at SMU. Well, I think it's going to be fun. And I did a speaking engagement the other day, and everybody wore their college uh, shirts. And, of course, there were some horns and, and Aggies. But, boy, the SMU folks – at the Exchange Club of Lake Highlands, showed up in mass, okay? They were kind of excited. And, of course, I made one of my jokes about what was going on 40 years ago. I don't know if that went over <laughs> great. But um, but uh, I, I love that uh, – I saw Calshaw writing about um, McElhaney. And, for Joe, you weren't born yet, but that was – you talk about my youth. My I'm 10 years old, McElhaney's senior year. Oh, my gosh. That is royalty. Although <laughs> Kalshaw focused a lot on the on the uh, coleslaw eating of McElhaney. I'm sure you've read that column, so I need to ask Tim about that. He seemed to really focus on Lance's eating uh, over at S&D Oyster, which I hope he put on the morning news expense account. I hope uh, even though Lance is a wealthy man, I, I hope Tim went ahead and picked that up. Uh, but, Joe, last baseball question. Of those double-A and triple-A guys that are on their way, one lefty has already shown up, obviously, and we'll see how long that lasts. Um, who's the – who do you think is the – I mean, I, I, it's one another reason I feel kind of bad for Woodward. All those guys are, like, ready to pop, you know, next season or 2024, and you don't get a chance to, to manage those guys. Who would you think not only is going to arrive first – but if you had to handicap it, who would you say is kind of the, the has the best chance to come up and stay up and flourish of that whole group, which you wrote, you and Evan were writing about recently, and there's like five or six guys that are right there at double A AA or triple A. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think that they're, I mean, the Rangers, Rangers hope that these guys are ready to pop and ready to go. Um, you know, and I, I, I always feel bad saying this because I always get it wrong. But it's young or Jung, I always get it wrong, but Josh is a fantastic third baseman. <laughs> and he's obviously coming off an injury, and I think once he gets up here, it's probably going to be his job to stay. So um, forgive me for my lack of knowledge on that one. But, um, but no, I think that they've – obviously Jack Leiter is a guy they hope can come mm-hmm. up soon. And you draft Kumar Rocker, you know, a guy who was a you know, top – you know, who would have been potentially a number one overall pick last year before injuries and other things. And, you know, and so I think that they're really excited about the immediate potential of some of these prospects. All right. I'll uh, – I, I appreciate it, Joe. I've been wanting to get you on and talk about SMU, honestly, for a while. And then this, uh, this thing popped today. So I appreciate it. You've been extremely busy. Thank you for making the time. Maybe don't mention to Evan where you've been. If he finds out you've been on with Mosley, he could be upset so or perturbed. So uh, and it's not hard to perturb him. So you may want to keep it to yourself. But uh, good to visit with you, Joe, and uh, good work today on all the, uh, all the uh, changes out there. Yeah, thank you. And we'll keep that secret between us and your listeners, okay? <laughs> okay, that's right. I, I, I'm going to put a graphic out. I'm afraid Evan may be following me on Twitter. I could, I could ruin this <laughs> for you. All right, see you, Joe. All right, take care, Matt. Thanks. There, there he goes. Joe Hoyt, Dallas Morning News, and uh, covering.